Welcome to Level 7, Episode 88, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 2, Episode 15, One Door Closes. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, agents. It's Agent Daniel Butcher here, and I got a little something, in, a little something in my neck. A little something needs to be worked out. Maybe an umbrella drink and a nice massage would help me with that. Hey, friend, would you help me with the massage? Would you reach back there and just work out that kink? Oh, are you friend? talking to me? Yeah, you, friend. Oh, rats! I was hoping I was being referred. Someone else was being referred. Uh, um. Sure. It's just everything back there is just tight. Tense. Tense. That would oh, be man, a word. I'm so tense. Introduce yourself. I am tense. Agent Ben and Daniel. We're here to talk about Marvel Cinematic Universe, aren't we? Yes. And it's a big place. And it's tense. And we revisit a defining moment in the MCU in this episode. Oh. A defining moment. And we name-checked a very important carrier, though it wasn't really flying like I'd hope. The Iliad. The Iliad. Why is that important? Director Maria Hill likes to use the Iliad. Oh. Interesting. I did not know that. It's um, a nice name-check. That is a nice name-check. Now, yeah, the carrier in question is not a helicarrier. It's a just a carrier. Well, we don't 100% know that it, it's not a helicarrier. It could be. I mean, he's in charge of, I mean, he was given command of the Iliad. Yeah, and it's, it's possible that he was a helicarrier commander and then, you know, they moved him to a regular carrier. No, no, maybe the Iliad is a helicarrier. It just didn't fly. Um, I'm going to go It could be broken. Uh, it could be. Maybe one of the reasons why Colson couldn't find him is because he was flying around. It could be. It could be. I mean, it, well, originally Bruce Banner and uh, Steve Rogers thought the helicarrier in uh, Avengers wasn't a helicarrier. Until so that was just regular carrier. Until it started flying. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and let's be honest. It's cheaper for it to not fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, both in the universe and in our special effects budget. I, I think you're right on that one. I think you're right on that one. So, so uh, I'd like to unconfirmingly say the Iliad is a helicarrier. Okay. It's interesting. I read uh, something. It was a preview of this, and they mentioned directly that this was one of the helicarriers that was uh, above uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in Winter Soldier. No, it's and not. I was like, wow, interesting. No, that is not, that is not an And then as I got helicarrier. to thinking about it, I was thinking, well, no, because – wouldn't this be the same heli- or the same carrier anyway that they already were on? Those three, sense. those three got blown up. Yeah. Well, no, but yeah. the, this this whole these these flashbacks were to have happened on those ships as they were getting blown up. No, and no. falling down. Well, obviously, no, no. I'm somebody. This person was wrong, projecting into the future and incorrect. 
Totally but incorrect. That's what happens when you claim to have special knowledge and don't. Hey, Ben. Yeah, Daniel. You notice what we're doing already? What? Let's, we're talking about this episode. So can we just get into the intelligence report, jump past that, and then we can begin to work this tension out in my back? Sure. I will metaphorically help work the tension out of your back. I'd be more than happy to metaphorically do that. But we do have a tiny, tiny bit of news to talk about. And it may not even be news. It's it's rumor, but it's confirmed rumor, if that makes sense. All right. Play that sounder, and I'm going to go vote Twizzler. Shield intelligence report. Hey, yeah, I forgot. How's the vote going? Ooh. Twizzler's ahead. Thanks to me. Oh, wow. How many votes are there, though? Two? Seven. Ah, seven. That's not bad. That's not bad. But I put Twizzler ahead. That's probably what I would go with, too. I'm just saying I'm lobbying now for all agents to go out there and vote Twizzler. We're going to be talking about more food today, food that actually is connected to Agent Coulson. But what we're talking about right now is that there is the the official poll right now on the Welcome to Level 7 website is just um, what were Sky and Coulson eating. Uh, and it was when, from last episode when they were eating some sort of red licorice. And is it Twizzler or is it Red Vine? And apparently I already voted because I don't have the option to vote right now. So you're right. Twizzler is ahead, 57%, four votes out of seven. So keep it up, Twizzler. Yeah. Uh, so agents, if you are so inclined to join the debate, which is really not much of a debate, and I can't imagine people actually getting worked up enough to actually research for the debate, but you know. Maybe people are really into red licorice, so maybe we should just be glad that we updated the poll. <laughs> Finally, whereas on my other podcast, I have a poll that says, "What is the what what summer 2014 movie are you most looking forward to?" Tomorrowland. Oh wait, wrong year. Wrong year. That would be and, an up and to by date way, poll if that was one of the answers. So. FYI, I removed Avengers: Age of Ultron because it's not just fair. It's just not fair. Oh, and, you mean from the, I, the summer movie running? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's just not fair. I mean, obviously it wins over everything else. Um, funny fa- fun fact, Ben. Mm-hmm. My fellow coaches for my lacrosse team have started to call me Ultron. <laughs> that is funny. I told them there are no strings on me. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, there's not much news to report uh, we are getting really close to Age of Ultron. We are getting really, really close to uh, Daredevil. And and then we also have this uh, little show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've also one, – one rumor that we didn't link to on our, our blog post for this episode is that supposedly we're going to be hearing in the next week or so about an Agent Carter announcement for a renewal or not. Really? Mm-hmm. Who said? I don't know. That's why I say oh? supposedly. I have no idea who. That'd be sweet if we had an announcement like that. It would be nice. It'd be a lot sooner than we heard anything from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last season. Um, And who knows, though? And so it would be interesting to find out about Agent Carter before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. (gasps) Agent Carter working for S.H.I.E.L.D. in the midst of the Red Scare. That'd be cool. That would be cool. So here's the news, though. that It's not a rumor. 
because it's an official person who actually said this, but he didn't give any information other than to say, and this is interesting to me, it's an article on Newsarama all about uh, some things from the Emerald City Emerald City Comic Con, and they're talking about Marvel Animation, specifically Marvel Animation from TV. I don't think there's really much talk as I breeze through it about any nope, of the Marvel TV. movies. But there was one question where someone asked if they would, if this animation team that works on these TV shows would produce something that takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the answer was, I can't announce anything yet, but things are in the works. And then he called out the upcoming Netflix series as proof of concept for things that tie into the larger world. And I think proof of concept as in something out of the ordinary that that you you don't normally see. Uh, I think we'll be seeing more of this kind of thing. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, so... I don't know, Daniel. Real quick, what what's your thoughts there? If if uh, Marvel Animation would start putting out some some forms of of MCU canon material, well, clearly, if they put out MCU animated canon material, we have plenty of post credits. Oh, that could that could work. That could work d- d- we depending cover on how it because yeah. it's tied in the same way we do those comics yeah although right now the comics get their own episode but yeah that's because phil it would really depend on the kind of thing that it was too like if it was animated shorts say yeah if it was an animated short then that would be the kind of like a one shot you know like the animated one shot yeah and i honestly wouldn't mind that too much i mean we already have comics that are set in canon that are setting up ideas and things with Ant-Man, Age of Ultron. I mean, they've been doing it from the beginning. So there are comic stories out there that do feed into the greater narrative of the MCU. So that's kind of cool to me that the idea of animated shorts, and we did talk about this when we were talking about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book that is based on the animated Guardians of the Galaxy show but that features a short story that feels like it really could be set in the MCU as a, you know, flashback sequence to Peter's past. And if they were doing that kind of thing, I'd be really on board. If it was the one shot kind of thing where it's, it's a Howard the Duck story, you know, and we're not going to get a Howard the Duck movie, but why not a, a, a quick seven minute animated short story? That's just, Day in the Life of Howard the Duck, or something like that, or um, you know, a short little adventure, in, you know, early in Ant Man's career, or, or that kind of thing. I, I'd be on board with that. I don't know about full length animated features, <laughs> and part of that comes from Daniel. Have you seen those team up movies that they did? No, because they're really bad. They right? are horrible. They are so, so awful. I think I've mentioned this before, but my wife rented one of those for the kids and they watched it for two minutes. It's like, it's like a cut scene from a PlayStation video game. And when I say PlayStation, I mean like PlayStation one. I I don't mean like PlayStation three, the, you know, a current, It, it, it is so bad. It is so, 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 so bad. 
You know what? I'm tired of talking about bad things. Okay, so have you watched any of the Marvel animated anime movies that they did in Japan that Warren Ellis helped work with the storytelling? No, and no. No? I think I actually saw a few minutes of one and didn't like it. Yeah, you watched a few minutes of one of the features that they did. But they actually did four 13-episode, uh, I think it's 13-episode um, television series, half-hour no. episodes. What if they did something like that? Are you just dragging this out to something my tension increases? <laughs> what if they did something like that? A 13-episode animated Dude, I'll watch show. it. If it's MCU and it's canon, I'm going to watch would it. Would it excite you? It's MCU. How could it excite you? What would make it excite you? It's in the MCU. Not what everything in the MCU not- excites you, though. Iron Man 3 doesn't excite you. Uh, Iron Man 3 had me excited. But it took it away. Yeah. I mean, that's... The Mandarin one-shot had me excited. It took it away. away. All right. Well, you know what has me excited? Daredevil. (sighs) Age of Ultron. And... You're just going to start listing things, aren't aren't you? I was going to say one door closes. That also excites me. Let's talk about it. You ready? Yes. Are you... Are you really? Mission report. Excuse Why me. Why do you hate me? I I don't hate you. I I just don't like you that much. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. One door closes, Daniel. This was a an interesting episode. <clears throat> Man, Daniel, did you watch Lost? Nope. You didn't. Not even close. Not even anything. Nope. Well, this reminded me of an episode of Lost, and not just because of flashbacks, although Lost used heavily. Obviously, that was a big part of the style of the storytelling in Lost. But this episode reminded me of Lost because in, I don't remember what season it was, because they all kind of bleed together now for me, looking back on it. They had, you know, you know about the plane crash, right? The plane crashed on an island. Are you going to recap the entire... No, entire I'm not. series of loss. No, the plane crashes at the very beginning, and you follow this group of survivors. And then a couple seasons in, all of a sudden, there's another group of survivors who were in the tail section of the plane. And then you get some episodes that give their background. And that's what felt this episode felt like to me, was that this was an episode of like that, where we had characters show up, Bobby, Mac... Hunter, Hartley, uh, and then now just in the last couple episodes, Gonzalez and and some of those other people. Calderon, Weaver. Although Weaver isn't – Weaver is the – Science. The the uh, teacher or whatever. Yeah. So she she doesn't count because she was up up front in in our series. But uh, what happened is that you bring these characters in and now this is their flashback episode where we get to find out what happened to them – on that fateful day during the Winter Soldier and get their background and get their backstory and get their motivations. And it just, it felt like lost to me and not just because of the flashbacks. So that's, I'm not going to talk about lost anymore. I was gonna Daniel. Say, you're making me a hot mess because I want to talk about my show, but we are talking about our show. Just like last week we talked about Pulp Fiction. We were both reminded of Pulp Fiction. I was hoping we'd have another cultural, pop culture touchstone that you and I could could 
fine together. But you already know that I haven't seen Lost. Well, I do now. Now the conversation is not with you. It's with our listeners who have seen Lost. So that's Which all. include many. It, it, I, I know it does, actually. I can, I can guarantee it does just because it's a pretty big deal in sci-fi TV. So. so that's my first big thought about this episode. My second big thought about this episode, Daniel, is that Winter Soldier, and we talked about this already for a moment, Winter Soldier is a huge moment in the MCU. And an a especially huge moment, moment for S.H.I.E.L.D. in general. Truth. Now, it, you know, you do have the Avengers movie. In the first Avengers movie, that's a huge moment in the MCU as far as, like, life on Earth. That's enormous. But it gets shadowed for people who are in S.H.I.E.L.D. by Winter Soldier's events. It's kind of like if you um, if you discover the cure to cancer, Daniel. That's a huge moment for the world and for you. But then if a day later, dingoes ate your leg. And I don't know why dingoes, but a day later, dingoes have eaten your leg. That's a defining moment for your life. And you're probably going to be haunted by and remember more vividly the day that dingoes ate your leg than the day you cured cancer. Are my shoulders supposed to be to my ears? Do they hang low? No, no. Do you? No. Do your ears hang low? Do they? No, they don't. I, I, to and I, fro? I, I, you're just pulling this out even further, aren't you? I am Do discussing you know the episode, Daniel. I, I think we all get the point that Winter Soldier was an important moment for S.H.I.E.L.D. This just reinforces it. What I would compare it to is something like Thor the Dark World, not an important moment for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes in and does clean up. But that's not something that helps define S.H.I.E.L.D. going forward. Can we, can we talk? Yes. I have been talking about the episode for what? Five minutes? In, seven minutes? In, in every way that Asking you, can, you questions. talking about the episode. Asking you questions, trying to find out your thoughts, your opinions. And you're over there just complaining about your back. Yep. Yeah, complaining about your back. Okay. It's because my shoulders are to my ears. Well, let's jump in. I don't understand the shoulders and ears thing, but... Because I'm... Never mind. If you don't get it, you don't understand. But let's just say my neck and my back, it's all tightened. Well, we start out with a flashback. Okay, yes. And we are on some form of boat thing... We're in the middle of Winter Soldier. We've got uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who are being held at gunpoint by a HYDRA agent. The HYDRA agent, he demands to know who's the ship's engineer. And was it Tim? They're looking for the chief engineer specifically. Yeah, and, and so Tim and, is going to say he is. And, and really, this is part of the crew of the helicarriers, because I'm going to continue to claim that the Iliad is a helicarrier, that we haven't seen much uh, of in the... In the past. It's the below decks people, yeah. Exactly. And really, they're looking to discover who is the chief engineer because the chief engineer is going to know all the secrets, obviously. And Tim does a Spartacus and says he's the chief engineer um, in order to protect the real chief engineer, who is Mac. Mac. So we do now know, pre-Winter Soldier, what Mac's position was within S.H.I.E.L.D. Though I w- I'm going to argue 
that I do have some question about what the the triangle between Hunter, Bobby, and Mac was because I don't get the sense that Bobby and Mac before this moment were really traveling in the same circles. But yet from past discussions, it seems like Bobby, Mac, and Hunter have this long history. And now I'm beginning to question that. I I don't know. I mean, there obviously was some form of history with them. Uh, it's possible that Mac was an agent who just was put in the field every once in a while for those engineering type of But Coulson's the first one who's put Mac in the field. He even, you know, said it, you know, with your size, we got to get you into the field. No, 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 no. Because they've referred to, uh, you know, Hunter and Mac have talked about the first time they met. First time they met, Mac was part of a mission that was lying to Hunter to get information. Mm. So Mac has been out there. I'm just saying, it seems like this is the meet cute between Bobby and Mac. And, but everything that we've ever seen before talks about them having a long history. Yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, that is a little bit fuzzy. It, it uses fuzzy, fuzzy time, fuzzy math. So Tim gets killed because he doesn't like liar because Hydra doesn't like liars, and Bobby comes in and saves the day. Yeah, you know because she likes liars, and she wants to protect the liars. Bobby smashes open the door. The music begins in Daniel's head. It goes, never mind, never mind. I'm, you continue on. Okay, so she comes in like a boss. She shoots down everybody who's evil because she apparently has Hydra radar, and she knows exactly. You know how you know who Hydra is? Are the ones? Is it the people who are shooting other people? It's the people who are shooting at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good hydro radar. So she comes in, she takes down everyone and helps helps Mac. And again, I'm reminded of Lost. And uh, Fury has given orders to them. And those orders are specifically to save S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we get our title screen. Now we're back. Back at headquarters. At the real S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. And Bobby arrives on a motorcycle. And Coulson is talking to wait, Mac. Wait, 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 You just said the real Shield headquarters. Yeah, because I understand it. it's the real Shield, but real Shield doesn't actually call themselves real Shield. So what I am mean, I? Coulson will even make a comment about it later. So Coulson doesn't believe it to be real Shield, and yeah, you he, don't either. Is like, that what you're saying? Yeah. So, so if Bobby's driving into real Shield on a motorcycle, no, she's she's driving into legitimate Shield. Actual shield. I think you're kind of splitting shield. hairs here. You want to talk about this episode, and now you're 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 arguing semantics. Well, I, I you can't call the playground part of real shield when these other people are running around claiming that they're real shield. Yeah, you can because you are, as we are discussing this episode, defining the terms. The terms are this is real shield. They aren't right. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Let's just call them. How do we know that they're not real shield? Because Fury gave the keys to Coulson. Right? Yeah. So Coulson, he's talking to Mac. And he's letting Mac under the hood. And I know right right away, as soon as he lets Mac under the hood, this is not going to end well for Mac. Because he's really trying to just get Mac off his guard. Uh, Bobby comes in, lies about Hunter. Coulson seems to take it at face value. I write seems to, 
And I thought, oh, he's just maybe he sees through it. He doesn't see through Bobby. He sees through Mac. He knows what's going on with Mac. Something's going on with Mac. But he's not seeing through Bobby yet. And so as he's talking to Mac, he's he has the this is the stinging phrase right here. The path we've chosen doesn't leave a lot of room for trust. And yeah, Mac doesn't know what he's talking about. And Coulson says, yeah, you do. Oh, you, you do. You do. Because B- Coulson being the brilliant person that he is, is, you know, putting Mac off guard, making him feel comfortable so he can go in there and slap him with a little stick called the truth. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Bobby goes inside the base and she's walking around doing some nefarious looking things in the shadows. And all I'm thinking right now is this is, this is a really good setup here. They they introduced her nicely in at the beginning of this season. Uh, she's a great choice for this type of role. And when I say she's a great choice, I don't mean the actress, although she does a pretty good job. Uh, there's times when she's delivering some speeches in this episode that I'm just kind of, yeah, I I don't feel like I'm listening to you know Commander Adama when she's when she's talking, but. She she does a, a decent job. I'm talking about. Does the it character. not help you that Commander Adama's in the room? Is exactly. that throwing you off? That does throw me off a little bit. But Bobby's a great choice for this type of role in the character itself. The character is one that you have a history with. If you are reading comics, if you don't read comics, you still know there is a history there of her being a good guy, and it, it's a nice use of who can we bring in that's going to have enough baggage that you're going to want to root for them because they think they're doing the right thing. And this is where I believe Bobby believes she's doing the right thing. She's not just a true believer in shield two or fake shield or whatever you want to call it. She's not just a true believer in that. She's one of the primary, um, I'd, the primary tone setter for for this other shield. In many she ways, sets she's the, the ideology. Yeah, she she's much more the founder than Gonzalez is. It was her speechifying. That, she stood up on top of that far top of that pedestal and just started, you know, high horsing it. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce democracy and choice to Shield. Yeah. Which is the stupidest thing you're ever going to hear. Well, and we'll we'll get more to that. <gasps> well, because it's an elaborate cover. You know, Fury was always what three steps ahead. Coulson five. I'm I'm still not there with you. Although we do find out that that he is a few steps ahead when we get to the end of this episode. I'm I'm curious what is the relationship there. But we cut to the safe house. Sky's been playing solitaire and Simmons talks to her and says, I just want you to be safe. And the, and here's where they drop a reference to an earlier Colson moment that I would never have expected them to reference. Do you know what I'm talking about, Daniel? No. Colson gives Sky little Debbie's. Some Little Debbie snack cakes. And why is that important? 
Why is that little tidbit important? Because, because it, Nutty Bars are delicious. There's that idea. But do you remember back in a fun, uh, a funny thing happened to me on the way to Thor's Hammer? And what's he doing? He goes in. He's at the convenience store at the gas station, and he's trying to decide between two different kinds of little Debbie snack cakes. Were those little Debbies or were those Hostess little donuts? We had this conversation. We we talked about how they missed a real great opportunity to have it be Hostess. It's little Debbies. It's All little right, Debbies right. He's, that he's looking at there, and we we said that it should have been Hostess. It should have been an opportunity to refer to the classic ads that hostess has in our classic old comics where superhero would defeat crime by you know throwing hostess cupcakes at at the penguin or something like that no little debbies and so we're referring to the one shot great great little little reference nice little call back there uh we we then follow the call to simmons side where she's still back at the playground and Fitz and Simmons are calling each other Leo and Gemma. Um, it's it's awkward between the two of them. And this split is still not going well. It's still not going well, and they're not really connecting with each other. They're, they're ships in the night. You know what really helped their relationship? What? Some sort of high-pressure situation. Hmm. Interesting that you would say that. <laughs> Maybe some tension. Tense. They could give each other back rubs. Well, at least sit side by side there. Yeah, and maybe even almost hold hands. But then have Maybe. to stop. And why do you have to stop to help the other side? Is Simmons going to be shield too? Fake shield? Is she going to go with them on their ideological high horse? Well, no, she doesn't seem up. to like aliens. But you know what she does like? Sky. She does. She does. Then I do think that the Sky issue is going to be divisive between these two groups. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, I think that Coulson, not Coulson, I think Calderon is not going to enjoy the ending of this episode and, you know, <laughs> not be nice in the future. So we go back to Coulson and Mac. And he talks about how that toy car is a perfect replica, but not quite perfect. And again... You know, it's a toy. The toy version is going to be different. It's going to be not quite perfect. It's not that it can't fly, though. It's that there's no. something extra. A and little Fitz is taking a look to bling. find out. Yeah. So we get some good editing in this episode where you have, you know, question is asked in one scene in one location. It's answered in another scene in another location. So Colson asks Mac, "Tell me what you're after." And then we see Bobby in Coulson's office cutting into his desk and getting ready to steal Fury's toolbox. All according to Coulson's plan. And then you get this Mac is not a liar scene. You know, I asked you if you were loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. I said yes, because I am. I work Who do for you S.H.I.E.L.D. Work for? I work for S.H.I.E.L.D. And it is, I, I kind of like it. You know, Mac is still a character that I kind of like. He is a moral guy. He wants to do the right thing. He's not the best planner in the world, as evidenced by, you know, putting Hunter in a chokehold and strangling him until he was unconscious. But um, 
Yeah, and you have the the idea then too that I've lost too many friends to Hydra, and they both have lost friends to Hydra, and that now Coulson is facing another situation where he could lose friends again. And then he says, "Who are you working with?" And Coulson realizes because he's not stupid. You know, Coulson. He is the director of Shield. He is. Coulson's the kind of guy who would look at Robin. And then a few days later, meet Dick Grayson and realize, wait a minute, that guy's nose and mouth and hair is exactly the same as Robin. Don't even get me started on Superman. No, no, don't don't get started on Superman because Coulson would see right through that costume, right through that disguise. So Coulson sends May in after Bobby, and Bobby, this is this is where I I I realize, Daniel, you're wrong. You're you're just wrong about Bobby. No, no, Bobby was trying. Bobby, she had to sh- I, in my notes, I put Bobby as a true believer. I find out later on that it's more than that. But I work for Shield. She says to May, and you don't. You don't work for Shield. And then there's fight. We we cut to commercial. We come back, and there's fight, fight, fight. And I'm watching and just thinking to myself, I know who Daniel's cheering for. As we're watching what? our Melinda May punched and thrown and kicked and tossed about and she's doing her share of punching and throwing and kicking and tossing about but daniel you're cheering for bobby aren't you uh, can i be honest mm-hmm. i was cheering for a tie because uh, it really was a situation where story-wise we can't let may lose <laughs> <laughs> She does. That though. would be bad. I mean, as May said, the last the last person betrayed her. She crushed their larynx. Uh, we can't have May lose this fight. May's our heavy. She's our toughie on the team, and we, at the very least, have to tie. And she comes out of it, but she's not exactly the winner. Well, it, it it's a cheap tie. It's a cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. You know what it is? It's comic books. So, yeah, she flips the switch. It, it activates something that's like an EMP burst, but not quite. Because there's still things that are powered up around the base. And, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> that Bobby. So Fitz has found out there's a scanner in Little Lola. I hate to see what's in the two-liter cherry Pepsi. <laughs> And they realize we've handed Mac the schematics to this place, but they don't know everything. Neither is Shield. Colson, he he says, you know, they don't know everything about this place, not like we do. So Colson still has some tricks up his sleeve and some secrets. He's got secrets still. I mean, that's one of the things we're talking about in this episode is secrets. But at this point, I'm kind of... I'm waiting for him to reveal one of those secrets. And I do feel by the end of the episode, we've got one of those secrets revealed. But it's it didn't feel like, oh, and now I'm going to rush to secret number one. Heidi hole number three. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It just it felt like it took a while to get to a quote unquote secret. Now, May, you could argue that she a little bit earlier found a secret as she's lurking around. But again, it's not like as a viewer we're seeing her rush to something. No, they're they're rushing to stop Mac and Bobby. 
and whatever things they've put into place. Because now Mac has escaped as well. Mac used to be the best friend in the world. He was. He was such a nice guy. And again, this is a nice turnabout because we don't have two teams that are going up against each other. One's good and one is evil. And even though the evil ones, they believe that what they're doing is is right or acceptable, at least. They may not think it is good, but it's okay because their moral code allows for it. Uh, we've got two teams that are going up against each other that both believe they're in the right. This is an interesting thing. This is a, a, a nice dichotomy to have of these two teams, these two groups, both believe they have the moral high ground in this argument. But, but I am getting to the point where Real Shield needs a real name because it just is beginning to sound funny and grating on me. Well, we can just call it Shield. Let's call it Fake Shield. Big Shield? Fake Shield. Fake Shield. Well, it's not real. So we go back to the flashback. Mac and Bobby, they're going to the conference room where they find Commander Gonzalez. And we've revealed that, that Bobby's been sent on a mission by Fury. And what is the mission? Well, we don't know yet, but we are about to find out. Meanwhile, Bobby's making her way through the base, and she contacts, contacts Gonzalez. And she's on a mission from Gonzalez. And she's had to move to Plan B. What is Plan B? I'm still not quite certain what Plan B is, but apparently Plan B is come and invade. Sure. I don't know. I don't know what Plan B was intended to be. Plan A was leave with the toolbox and it's all good. And then Plan B is I can't get out of here so you guys come in maybe. I'm Could not, be. I'm, I do find it interesting that in this plan B, Gonzalez is leading the way. Mm-hmm. He's not sitting in the you know in the captain's chair back on the Iliad. He's charging forward. No, he's right there with them. Now, there's not a lot of actual you know fighting and cleanup to do. We'll, we'll get to that though, because now we're going to talk about Sky, because Sky is in the safe house. She's contemplating the gauntlets. She's putting them on. She's um, trying to call Simmons, and she can't because there's there's the, the connection is lost. Then I she, wonder why that is. <laughs> then she realizes that the wall isn't exactly what it looks like it's supposed to be. It's it's wood paneling over the shield hex design. Yeah, they're in a cage. And she pulls the wood away, and what does she see? A nice, huge um, fist print <laughs> that obviously came from a great big, giant green guy. Yeah, because it's way too big to be from Rogers. And it's kind of cool. It's interesting. I, I'm looking at this safe house, and the safe house was built by Banner. They talk about that it was built by Banner for Banner, and... It's quite possible that you know he he's it's a self-imposed prison for him, but it also you know the door just opens. The door doesn't seem very reinforced to me like that wall is. No, I I see what you're saying, but again, you never know what's underneath the wood paneling. Yeah, that door doesn't look like there's much room for for much in there but 
maybe there's a nice wall that you know or a door that can fall down and, and be a, a reinforced door that you know comes maybe out of the walls Let, or something. Let's like remember that. there's really nothing that's going to stop the Hulk. So yeah, yeah, even the laser walls, the laser fences rather outside <laughs> by the lake. So ah, uh, down by the lake. So she hears some noises. She's spooked. You would be too if you're out in a cabin in the middle of the woods all by yourself and there's no connection that you can't you can't contact any of your friends and you start hearing these noises outside, especially Daniel, if you've just watched Paranormal Activity. Which, which I have not. Actually I think I have seen one of those. I don't like scary. Yeah, I know you don't like scary. I haven't seen the Paranormal Activity movies. They're just not they don't interest me, but um I can understand her feeling. And then she goes and checks. There's no one there. She closes the door, turns around, walks away. Someone very quickly has come to the door. How did they get to the door so quickly when obviously there was no one within walking distance? Dun, dun, dun. She opens the door and answers it. And it's... Gordon. Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. Gordon. We cut to commercial, and I just have to say, Daniel... I like Gordon. I like the character in this episode. I just wish he had a different name. You know, the name it's, does seem a little blah. And it's probably meant to seem a little blah. But, but I mean, I'm with you. I like Gordon, too. I think Gordon has a lot of wisdom. I think Gordon wants to be helpful. I think Gordon cares. And, and when he talks about the fact that he had this mentor... And that this mentor did these things for him. Let's remember who that was. It's Sky's mother. He has motivation to care. To be honest, he is someone who would care. He is. And along with that, he could very easily just take Sky, but he doesn't. He no. doesn't. He's he's going to let her make her own choices. Uh, he doesn't, and, and I get the impression that this is not just a him thing. This is kind of a uh, just the group thing. You don't bring people into the group who don't want to be in the group. You know? No, you do not. Because then they're just going to cause problems for you, and they're not ready for the for the learning. Yeah, and so I I'm intrigued by all this Inhumans stuff. We come back to from the commercial, and Gordon and Sky have some conversation, and there's a lot of talky talky stuff, but it's it's talky talky stuff that's getting us inside his head, like all the stuff you just mentioned, and also gets us in, into Sky's head a little bit as she opens up to him a little bit, tells him what it feels like. It makes me wonder how many people on Shield's side did ask her, "What does this really? How does this make you feel?" and they may have out of concern. I could see that happening, but we never saw it on screen. You know, how does it feel? What does it feel like when this is happening to you? Um, but he's there because he knows how to handle this kind of thing. And that's a question you'd ask someone. Well, and more importantly, not only does he know how to handle this, he wants to help her to become the person she's supposed to be. And where she's looking at her powers as being destructive He's pointing out, really, that she is now connected to the entire universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not only is she connected to it, she has the ability to control it through vibrations. And he says, you could become magnificent. 
you could become magnificent. And he's re- he's telling her, what did Shield think about you when this happens? You know, they gave you those gloves. Are they meant to protect you, or are they meant to protect other people from you? And you can be who you were meant to be. You can be without fear. You can be without pain. And she starts asking him a little bit of you know a couple questions, like how many of you are there, and and you know what do you mean by that? But it, he's he knows she's not ready. So only if you want to come when you're ready, I'll find you. He walks away and doesn't use the door. So he plays you his cards what? there, and we see his power used. I should say Sky sees his power used. We've seen it before, but Sky for the first time sees this guy doesn't just have a mutation of the face. He can do something pretty magnificent. And you know what we really discover about Gordon? And what's that? He's not good with the funny. <laughs> he tries. And he's got a really sensitive behind. A what? Behind. Bottom. A sensitive bottom. Because that couch is not working for him. Because here's the thing. He says he's not good with the funny, but I thought his comments about the couch were pretty funny. <laughs> this couch is horrendous. I missed that. Yeah, he makes at least two comments about how poorly, how, how little comfort the couch gives. <laughs> Basically a princess in the pea type of situation. It is true, but yeah. the way he, he says it, I know it comes off as very dry, but I also took it as a very dry humor comment. So even though he claims he's not good with the funny, I found his comments about the couch specifically to be funny. And because I'm guessing it's somewhat true, because, and as you know, the best humor is often true. Shield probably bought that couch from the uh, lowest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're putting a couch in a in a room with a Hulk. I'm just, I'm just saying, not, you don't want to spend, you know, big the you know highest dollar on on that. So, I'm just saying, a government <laughs> purchase couch is probably not probably not the most comfortable in the world. So, I did, I, I actually did find his comments about the couch to be pretty funny. So what do we find out about the Inhumans here? For me, I'm looking at what we are, have been presented with, and I'm, I'm seeing that the Inhumans are probably, based on everything we've seen and what we're hearing now, a pretty benevolent group. They're not going to force you to go with them. When you're ready, they'll come back. They'll get you. They're listening. You know how? We don't know yet, but it's probably someone with powers who's able to hear her and, and keep tabs on her or something like yes, that. Somebody has to be doing some sort of communication piece here because I don't think Gordon is the one who's doing it. I don't think he's an inhuman stalker. No, I think Gordon is getting, for lack of a better term, he's getting the coordinates from another inhuman. No, I think know, who's sending Italian. him to that She's field right. where, where um, you know, Dr. Dad was and sending him to Sky at the end of this episode. And you know he's a foot soldier. Gordon is, and he's he's going out and he's he's doing he he's actually having more interaction with uh, regular people. It seems like than any of the other Inhumans, just because we haven't seen them though. That's that's the main point there. So, meanwhile, back at the uh, at the playground, Mac has disabled the bus. He's taken out some agents, but hasn't killed anyone. Uh, Fitz is trying to fix the damage and find out what went wrong and what's how can he get things up and running again. And Bobby is with Simmons. And I just wrote down, Bobby is there to lie and use Simmons. Because Simmons turns around, she acts relieved that it's Bobby. 
And of course, Bobby is a spy. This is what she does. She lies to people. She uses people to get ahead, to get, you know, and she uses their weaknesses. And what's one of Simmons' weaknesses? She's naive. And nice. And kind and trusting. But you know what she's not? What? Stupid. She's not. And remember a while back we had that line where someone said, you're not very good at lying. And she said something like, I'm getting better at it. She's getting better at it. But, no, but she's not lying. She tells Bobby everything and us, by the way. You know, it's not an EMP. It's this thing. We used to work on it. She is Th- lying. This is she a says lie. She's, she, no, this is the lie. She says she's looking for this prototype. Well, that can it help might be fix in the bag. She's not looking for the prototype. She's doing spy lie. That's what she's doing. She's saying, I'm looking for this. I'll find it. And she's talking. She's keeping Bobby off her guard by keeping the conversation going. Hands her a thing. Keeps going. And then hands her a second thing. When those things touch, it short circuits Bobby. And Bobby sinks to the floor. And in my notes, I just wrote, whoa, Simmons. Because she did something right. She did something well. She she held her her composure uh, you know, she was doing okay as a Hydra mole, but here she she took down Bobby. She outspied the spy. High five. She outbonded the the female James Bond. It's awesome. Yeah. So I was pleased to see both uh, May and Simmons hold their own against Bobby in two very different ways, but do well. Meanwhile, Fitz is trying to find what's causing the problem, and Mac comes, and Mac is saying, I won't hurt you, I just need you to trust me. And of course, what's Fitz supposed to think? This is his only friend. The one person who really tried to break through and and understand what Fitz was feeling and and help him through, you know, he and and this is this is the thanks that Fitz gets. Mac is actually a double agent. From here, we go yeah. into the flashback. Back to the flashback. Hartley is clearing her. She's going to clear a path so they can get everybody out. But Bobby has a secondary mission. And that's that they have a cargo that Hydra cannot get its hands on. And how are they going to make sure Hydra doesn't get their hands on this cargo? They're going to take it down. They're going to sink Bury it. the boat. And what is this cargo? They never really say. No, they don't. And I, I really want to know. I, I'm, I'm wondering, is this going to be something we do find out about? I'm hoping it's something that we do find out about. But to be honest, we don't need to know. It could be anything. It could be, uh, it could be more obelisks. Be enhanced. People. It, it could be. It could be enhanced people. It could be some sort of alien. Tech. Could be LMDs. It could be anything, and they just don't want to let Hydra get their hands on it. So they're going to sink the boat. Meanwhile, it's looking like our team in the present has things under control. Bobby is unconscious uh, and handcuffed. And handcuffed. Colson has the toolbox back and Fitz is out there supposedly finding out what's, what's really happened to the, to the playground. 
And we also then get May looking through Bobby's locker, finding a false back to Bobby's locker. And what's behind the false back? A gas mask. And so, you know, May's no fool. You know what I was thinking was going to be back there to begin with? What? Just a jacket with a patch on it that's a real shield. <laughs> a jacket with a three-star angular yeah, but, shield emblem. Yeah, but just to make sure that people understood that it was shield, it was going to say real shield. Yeah, yeah. So she realizes they're not trying to get out. And we don't really have much with May in the rest of this episode. We can pretty much just know she put on a mask and she's in hiding. Uh, she's not going to be unconscious like everyone. And she's probably one of those secrets. One of those secret spots. It could be. Because what's happening is gas is coming through all of the, um, the vents. And everyone who doesn't have a mask is going down. And Fitz and Mac are in that little engineering room. And Mac is just trying to get Fitz away from the wall. Get away from the wall. Get away from the wall. Why? Because the wall is about to explode on you. That's why. And so Mac mm. jumps, rescues Fitz. Fitz. You know, Mac, he's still... I mean, he believes he's in on the right side and doing things for the right reasons and doing good things because he's a man who wants to do good things. He does. He does. What so life. what's our 30-minute turn? Shield 2 is walking in, and they're going to take it over. That's our 30-minute <sighs> turn. That's our half-point half twist. Yeah. There's been better ones, but this isn't bad. It's not bad. I mean, they just blew up the wall on the playground. Where's Keening? That's a good question. That's a good question. Sorry. Distracted. So ironic that Mac has just saved Fitz from a wall. Because as we go back to the flashback, Mac wants to know if Hydra destroyed the wall. And what wall is that? The Wall of the Fallen that's at uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Training Center. Academy. And he's he's concerned about this because he wants, I, I think he wants to know if his friend can be put on the wall and, and be moralized on the, on the wall. The, the friend that died for him. Um, and we're all thinking, oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice moment. We see Hartley, she's doing pretty good. But she's not leaving. Why isn't she leaving? Well, they've taken the top decks. They got that gun turn. Shield has gotten back the top deck. And so take that Hydra. The big question becomes sink the ship or take it back. And democracy begins. It does. And here's where I'm I'm enjoying a lot of things in this episode. One of the things I'm enjoying is some of the cleverness to this like when like i said they'll be ask a question and then they'll cut to a scene where someone else will be doing something that answers the question for us the viewers i am enjoying the the dichotomy here of we have that small group of shield agents on the iliad taking it back from hydra hydra has infiltrated and they're fighting back to make sure hydra can't take it and then we have a small group of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents 
who are in their own headquarters fighting to take it back or to not lose it. And you have S.H.I.E.L.D. 2, fake S.H.I.E.L.D., coming in like Hydra and and going in to take it over. I, I think it was an interesting way to, to kind of take these two events and it really feels like two mirrored events where and Bobby, Gonzalez, Mac, and them are defending their home from an invading force, even though it's a, an invading force that is invading from within. And then they're doing the same thing to Coulson's team. I will say the though one of my concerns pre episode was when we saw the uh, preview last week we saw all these guys that were clearly shield guys popping up with guns mm-hmm. in the bay of the uh, I'm assuming the bus and you're thinking to yourself oh man there's so many of these guys that are amongst Colson's crew so many disloyal it's just like the Hydra situation exactly like the Hydra situation. I think the good news is, is those were Colson's guys. Those guns were all pointed at Mac, as we saw earlier in the episode. In this situation, fake hydra, fake shield had to literally break in. So it's not like there's more snakes hiding in the pit. Um, really, it was Bobby and Mac, and that was it. Everybody else is loyal, and in order for fake shield to take over legitimate shield they actually had to send in people in guns and riot suits in order to do it yeah no it's a it's a um military coup really yeah it's not and but there will not. be some who were on colson's side who will now go to the other side and there'll be others the offer yeah and the, and there will be others who are just no i'm not I'm not going to do that because I'm I'm following Colson. He's the one who's meant to be the leader here. Because unlike you guys who were just floating around in the Iliad hiding, Colson was doing something. Well, they were doing something, but what they were doing was going after Colson. Yeah. They weren't doing anything legitimate. How many Hydra agents have they taken down? Well, I mean Colson shot Whitehall with his own gun. <laughs> Just like John yeah. Garrett would have. So, the the the, the main discussion going on right now is, what are they going to do about Sky? Sky is at the retreat, and so they're going to send people to get Sky and Bobby volunteers to go and, and retrieve Sky. And then we get this image, the camera pans over and we see May kind of hiding in the shadows and. Just to let us know that she's still around, and she's still she's still ready to fight the good fight. Because she's May, and she's awesome. Yeah. So we cut back to Sky now, and Sky's thinking some more, and she takes off the gloves. She washes her hands, and she accidentally shapes the vibrations of the water into this kind of cool. Oh, that's not spiral. supposed to happen. She had her eyes closed. She wasn't thinking about doing that. I mean, she was just relieved to have the the cold water on her hands, and then she opens up her eyes. She's surprised to see that happen. She's delighted to see it happen, and she adjusts it a little bit more purposefully. But it felt to me anyway like that was an accident. That was her accidentally using her powers, and it didn't ring true to me as an accident because it just seemed like she had control that she's never – there's there was no there's nothing to 
for her to earn that control oh. other than to just let herself, I guess, let go. Okay, maybe you and I saw this differently. I looked at what was happening with the water as being a happy accident. As you said, her eyes were closed. She was distracted thinking about something else. And she was surprised to see the water. She she wasn't trying to control it. It just did that on its own. It made that pattern, made that structure because she was accidentally controlling the vibrations. I took that as her having hope. Oh, I, she's know, delighted. It, this this accident happened. Yeah. If I can do this accidentally, imagine what I could do if I could learn to control this. No, she is delighted. And not only is she delighted, she actively controls it after she opens her eyes and looks down she's actively controlling it and making it wider or whatever and then she lets it go and, and and lets it you know the water go back to normal but because the wetness never bothered her anyway she liked using her power like that and it was an opportunity for her to see she's not just about accidental destruction she can learn to focus it and yeah from there we move to Fitzsimmons sitting next to each other they don't even bother shackling these two <laughs> like they're just not enough of a threat <laughs> to really need to be handcuffed or anything like that but, and they confront their former teacher their former educator why are you betraying shield and this is again Two groups that think they're in the right. Phil Coulson has no right to call this shield. And this is where they She's really out. resentful. Yeah, you know, I can see their side. I don't agree with them, and I, I would hope that I wouldn't be on their side. Or if I started out on that side because I thought it was right when I saw what Coulson actually was doing and found out the truth about what was going on. I would hope that that would I defect to the Colson side. I would hope, but yeah, I mean, she's a true believer in the secretless shield. The secretless shield. But Mac needs help, and so Simmons goes to help Mac. And is this her first step over into the other side? Could be. Could be. I don't see Fitz going to the other side, but I see Simmons. She could do it. Again, I think it all comes down to what happens with Sky and what Simmons' opinion of Sky will be. Is she going to protect her or want to control her? Yeah. And then we get the big confrontation between the two heads of S.H.I.E.L.D. Gonzalez. <sighs> And Coulson. And this is a really well done scene. I definitely felt like Gonzalez is coming in and he feels like, I've got the power. I've got the moral high ground. I've got the power. And except for the little, you know, alien issue. Yeah. Coulson really turns a lot of this on his head. You know, I was looking for you. Heard you were a good man. I know all about you. I wanted you on my team. Wish I could say the same. <laughs> because you're an alien messenger from above who used to be dead. Yeah. He brought you back to the you dead. Were a science project. Well, he pretty much did. I mean, you were created by Fury. You are not just Fury's 
choice. You're his creation. Dun, dun, dun. But uh, May gets to send a message out to Sky that there's a Quinjet coming, and so we cut to commercial. I didn't like the fact that she said, it's S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D.'s coming for you, because it almost legitimized them. But here's here's the thing, Daniel. I really think that they are looking at this other S.H.I.E.L.D. as people who they want to usurp Coulson's power. But I'm at the saying, same you're time... You're going to get more information before a girl, I don't know, gets a hold of her friend, the teleporter, and has you disappear to a hidden city that may or may not be in the Himalayas. If you're going to do uh, you, you have you have 20 seconds to explain the you, whole situation. What is it? Look out for people. Okay, you got the timer? Yeah, yeah. You want to you, you want to do that? Hang on. 20 seconds. Yeah. You have to tell her everything she needs to know in 20 seconds. And I can't find my timer. And here we are. Go. Sky, get out of the house. Run. You have to get away. A Quinjet's coming. People who are claiming their shield are coming for you. They're not with Phil. Run. That's all she needs. Yeah, you're right. Uh, how many seconds was that? Ten? That was twelve. Yeah, I. The important message that needed to be delivered is not with me and Phil. The important message that needed to be delivered was people who look like their shield are coming after you. That's the important part. And basically, the implication is. If it's me, you're good. If it's not, you're not. I'm just saying there's going to be another interesting conversation coming up in Phil and Sky's future. Why'd you send those people after me? Well, I didn't. I think she's going to pretty quickly figure out that. How? How is she going to figure it out? She's in the Himalayas. She likes Colson. That's how she's going to figure out. She trusts him. She has the right to trust May at this point, but otherwise, again, she's in the Himalayas. There's no umbrella drinks there. Well, she's not there yet because she's still running right now. Sky is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and so Bobby doesn't want them to do anything violent, just use the icers, you know. And Calderon, Coxagun. Not yet. We still have some time here that we need to get through. First, flashback. Oh, no, no. She, when she says no icer, icers only, he cocks the gun right there. But is it an icer? No. It's not? No. Well, that's unfortunate. Why do you need to cock an icer? Because it has ice bullets. No. Icer bullets. They're not, they're not really the same thing. He's cocking a real gun. It doesn't look like an icer. It looks like a gun. I'm sure, as we've established with folks who know all about guns... Poor agents. Someone could tell us exactly what gun it is, but it is not an icer, and it is clear the moment he cocks it, it is not an icer. Well, it, it's gonna. He, he cocks it so that we all draw our eyes to it, and know it's not an icer because she just said only use icers, and it's gonna cause him some problems a little bit later on. So we go back into our flashback. Fury's dead. They have to figure out what are we gonna do about this boat. If you blow up the boat. Good people are going to die. People who are fighting to take back the boat are going to die. And it does kind of, you know, get in the way of of, of your your mission here when you're trying to, to save these people. <laughs> and then Bobby introduces democracy to have espionage. 
Oh, man. This is not a democracy. Maybe it should be. (laughs) Oh, man. This isn't time to go down with the ship. We need to do something. We need to stop this now. This might take me two weeks to defend. (laughs) So they're going to have their last stand as Hydra comes through the doors. Wait, we we need to point out something. Who is the one person in the room who fights with her? What do you mean fights with her? Fights against her? Yeah, that it's gives Gonzalez. A differing opinion. It's Gonzalez. No, he's he, he. You have two sides of the coin fighting for Bobby's decision because she's the one with the orders from Fury. So at this point, at this point, he's saying, "Follow your orders. Do what Fury told you to do." He's the good soldier. Okay. Yeah. We know that one of Fury's orders was Phil Coulson is my successor. So. Is the alien thing the thing that leads him to not follow orders now? Well, it might be. Or is it the be. fact that he's grown so comfortable with committees and meetings and minutes? No, I think what it comes down to is Fury was wrong with that first with that order to, sh- to sink the ship. Because Fury wasn't there and didn't see what they were seeing. And so Fury is wrong about this one, too. But was he really wrong? Oh, we know that he's not wrong. But Gonzalez... I mean- I can see that. I can see them. I could see Gonzalez stepping back and saying, okay, that these orders, Fury's dead. He's not seeing what we're seeing. We're not going to sink the boat. Okay. Coulson, he's not doing a very good job. We're not going to follow him. Okay. He's an alien messenger. (laughs) Yeah. I could see this kind of progression of thought of, Maybe Fury isn't the best guy to follow, so we are going to not follow his orders. And I I can see, again, I can see where they're coming from. Doesn't make it right, but I can at least understand Gonzalez's thought processes here. Um, but Gonzalez and, and, and Coulson kind of had the, the – they're still having the little head-to-head thing um, – because secrets is the big theme here between the two shields. Coulson's shield still has secrets. Fury's shield had lots and lots and lots of secrets. And Gonzalez's shield isn't going to have those kind of secrets. And shields brought down the first time because of secrets. It's going to work. <laughs> it's going to work well. <laughs> and, and then Coulson makes a good point. Fury's secrets weren't what brought shield down. Hydra is what brought shield down. So, yeah, real shield. They've been working against secrets. Hmm. Colson's been working against Hydra. Enough said. Mic drop. And not only that, not only they've been working against secrets, you know what they, how they've been doing it, Daniel in in secret. (laughs) They've been hiding. You're right. So much yeah. so that a spy like Coulson with a spy organization at his fingertips can't find one of his own spies because he's on a ship that's avoiding any kind of You're 100% right. If they were done with secrets, they should have done exactly what Coulson told them to do, which is come talk to me. Just walk through the front door. Let me know what your agenda is, and it'd probably end up being a far better 
result than what they're in the middle of right now. It may not work perfectly. Both sides may come out of it without getting what they want. But, yeah. It wouldn't be secret. (laughs) So May comes. She saves the day. She knocks out the guards and she knocks out Gonzalez and... She's going to send Coulson on his way because without Coulson, there is no shield. That's her opinion, and I think we would we would agree with that. We'd have no show. We, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And then we go back to Sky, who is now having to deal with uh, Bobby and the, that other guy. Uh, she, oh, first man. of all, takes on nameless shield agent number three or whatever. And Goodbye, red shirt. I'm watching and I'm thinking he's doing a great or she's doing a great job, but I thought she had like micro fractures all over in her arms. She's punching and hitting and blocking and really She's had time to recover well. some. Yeah, yeah. I mean she hasn't had so, all of a day, probably. Maybe look, two. Uh, yeah. She's played a lot of solitaire. It's true. She's played what, twenty some games of solitaire and she has been there long enough for them to send her a, a bag of goodies. But but you're right in the sense that we were told last episode that Bobby only had six hours. So It's true. I hadn't even thought about that. Because in 12 hours, Hunter was getting out of his little pod. Mm-hmm. So. so anyway. Right. It's not been long. It's not been long. So maybe the microfractures. I've never had microfractures in any of my bones. So I, I don't know how much pain that actually causes. It just seems to me like a, that fight, she should have been... She should have been feeling and showing pain. So, But dude makes a huge mistake as they're coming after her. She turns around and he fires on her. He fires on her. She activates Which her It's his power. non-icer. Again, Calderon. Calderon. Non-icer. Shoots. And I'm impressed with our special effects here. Gone are the days of running with a exploding base behind you and jumping into a door when you have obviously this green screen effect behind you. This was a pretty decent effect of her power, you know, this shockwave going out from her, carrying Bobby. The bullet. We even see the bullet move. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the trees are getting wiped down, but it's a good effect. I liked what they did with it. And there was no point where I'm watching that that I'm getting brought out of the scene and saying, oh, this is terrible special effects. I could have done better on my on my computer. It, it was good. But it freaks her out. Well, I, she's hurt, hurt Calderon. The man who was attempting to shoot her now has a piece of wood stuck in him. And she's hurt Bobby, too. Well, at least she doesn't friend. have anything poking out of her. So, but again, when you talk about defining moments, it, if I was to quit with my fantasy that she's re- really working for Coulson, is it possible that Calderon's actions here will bring Bobby back because she realizes that democracy within espionage is not working? And that, or maybe that some of the people that she's aligned herself with, sure, Calderon saved Weaver at Shield Academy from an enhanced and she was doing fine up against it. Is she going to learn that other people have different agendas? And maybe she chose the wrong side, even though she's really kind of the founder. Yeah, I. Now Daniel returns to denial. <laughs> Bobby's and and, great. and I, I just have to say, Daniel, if she turns 
and returns to Coulson's side, it doesn't count. It doesn't no, it, count. It doesn't. You know, but, but that's not that. Again, I've returned to denial. She's working for Coulson right now. I mean, she went clearly so that she keep an eye out on Coulson's favorite. Yeah, she. And I wondered about that, though. Like she was very eager to go and help get Sky. And was it just a matter of friendship? Was it just a matter of I know her and I don't want to get hurt? Or was it a matter of I don't like the idea of what could possibly happen to her? So I, if I'm there, I can protect her. And and it, it being a you know being a proactively good thing for her to do. Hey, can I add two seconds to my to my message that I left Sky when May called? Yeah, sure. I'd also add to that message. Bobby and Mac are with them because again, when we talk about what the interesting conversation that Sky and Colson have to have in the future, from Sky's perspective, her friend Bobby came with them. My friend Bobby, who works for my friend AC, came for me. She did. She did. So she's freaked out. She's got so, this look on her face of shock and terror. She's and got now tears. she's... She calls. Gordon, Ricky. take me away. Gordon, take me away. Gordon comes. And again, he's... I, I agree with you. I don't think he is the one who is you know, paying attention and knowing where she is and when she needs him. But um, he comes takes her away and you know what what did bobby see did she see it happen or was she still in that haze of of uh you know being knocked down by this massive vibration wave well i guess we'll have to wait till next episode to find out yeah so then we come back to our tag our tag scene it's Coulson, and at first I'm wondering, is he in Tahiti? <laughs> I totally was thinking the same. <laughs> I think we can establish that he's somewhere near the Pacific. I think it's uh, I think he's in Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that would be acceptable. Yeah, but, but I um, think it, not Tahiti, uh, not Tahiti. <laughs> yeah, but I think we were all thinking, is this a magical place? I sure was. And who's going to come and join him? But Hunter. Yeah, where have you been, buddy? And. Apparently, he's been working for Coulson. I th- I get the impression that Hunter is coming to Coulson, and they have. It seems to me like there's been some planning and plotting that was going on before Hunter was taken into the chokehold by Mac. But you gotta you gotta ask yourself, how does Hunter know where to find Coulson? Coulson's I know on the that's line. that's a huge question you gotta ask yourself. Yeah, there's got to be some way. That they knew, you know, meet at this spot. Yeah. If something happens, so, so yeah, fascinating. How did Hunter know where to find him? Because he just walks up to him. They better answer that question. That's all I have to say about that. Is I'm okay with it. I don't feel like it's a cheat or anything. But they gotta answer that question for us. And then Hunter finally takes on that official position with Shield, signing a contract, <laughs> signing his. His name on a napkin. So apparently he's now on salary and isn't accepted the uh, dental. Uh, yeah, he might have skipped the dental. Don't skip the dental. You no, know, it's usually cheap. You know, but I'm I'm guessing the hunter, he's gonna go for the optical. 
He needs the full service package here. Benefits. Benefits. Anyway. You know what they don't have on the Iliad? Benefits. (laughs) And that's why he had to run away quickly. Yeah, they're not getting 12% off their cell phone plan over there on the Iliad. All right, Daniel, I've got one final thought about this episode, and then I'll let you give your final thought about this episode, and we can move on to our uh, field reports, okay? And here's my final thought. When Coulson took down Hydra-ish, when I say he took down Hydra, he didn't take down all of Hydra, obviously, but when Coulson took down those regional managers of Hydra, uh, he used Hydra's weaknesses and what hydra was lacking that shield had against hydra and that was these you know this, these selfish guys who are going after each other and so he he sets them up he totally sets them up so that when they are trying to um fill the power vacuum he's able to point them at each other and have them go after each other and it's selfish people it's untrustworthy people it is conniving people, manipulating people, um, going after each other and doing all those things to try and take each other down so one person can be left with the power. I find it interesting that Hydra falls and is torn apart. And Again, they're not gone. They're not done. So when I'm saying fall, I don't mean completely. But they're, they're undone by Coulson doing that, using what makes them Hydra against themselves. And now S.H.I.E.L.D. is being torn apart because you have these two factions of S.H.I.E.L.D. who are all principled people, who are all believers in the S.H.I.E.L.D. ideal, although maybe not believers in the S.H.I.E.L.D. in the same emphasis on the S.H.I.E.L.D. ideal. They don't believe in the director. Yeah, but these are people who will not compromise, will not back down, but they're principled moral for the most part as much as a spy can be (laughs) as far as that goes uh people who are it's shield taking down itself because of what shield stands for and in the same way that hydra fell because of their weaknesses shield right now is falling because of its strengths and I, i again i'm looking at this i can't help looking at this and thinking about um you know, politically, you know, the United States, where we have these, you know, infighting and people who believe they're they're doing the right thing, but on one side they believe that we're doing the right thing for this, and on the other side we're doing the right thing for this, and they're both trying to do the exact opposite thing. And you know, if they just sit down and you know, just watch a TV show together, they get along fine. But once you start getting into these principles and into these ideals and, and that, you you have a lot of infighting. And, and this is what it reminds me of, is you have these people, two teams who believe they're doing the right thing, clashing because they both believe they're doing the right thing, but they're doing the opposite thing or want to do it in the opposite way. So this was a nice episode that had, for me, interesting character moments, you get to see the background for Bobby and Mac and, and how they came to be a part of this second shield. And then you also get these kind of interesting thematic ideas that you can kind of play with of if you're doing the wrong thing or the stupid thing, but you're doing it for the right reason, is it really wrong? 
might still be stupid, but is it is it wrong? You know, it, are is Shield two? Are they bad guys? No, they're colleagues who believe they're doing the right thing. Uh, it, it, and so I, I like this conflict. I like the track that the episode is taking, and then you get all the inhuman stuff thrown in there, knowing that we're going to get more of that later on. It, this was a nice episode. If we were rating the episodes, you know, on five stars or something like that, I'd, I'd give it a four because it's strong, it's solid, it's not perfect, but it's not average. This is above average. So that's my final thought. And I'm going to be a man of simple words, Ben. When I rate this episode, I rate it tense. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's well, good. I, and as you know, it's been two, three episodes since I've been tense. But tonight, I'm tense. I'm tense over Bobby. I'm tense over what happened that fateful day during Winter Soldier. I'm tense about the future of legitimate actual Coulson-led shield. And I'm a little worried that maybe there's going to be some sort of misunderstanding in the future between Sky and Dad. Well, you know, her adopted dad. Right, right. So, but overall, if I was to go on a scale of one to five, I would go with tense. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, we've got some thoughts about love in the time of Hydra, so let's talk about that right now. What do you say? Let's do it. Shield Field Report. All right, Daniel, I don't know if these got sent to you in the right order, um, but the first one that I have is from Agent Diana. Is that the first one you have? Uh, yes. Okay. All right, good. So I'll go ahead and, and read this one from Agent Diana. Subject, thoughts on love in the time of Hydra. Message. After watching this week's episode, I had some different thoughts about the Fitz and Simmons exchange. I think the show and Fitz have been a little hard on Simmons over how she's reacted to Skye's change in comparison to Fitz. While it's undeniably true that Simmons has grown up a lot and has lost a lot of her innocence and optimism since last season, I think it's equally obvious that Fitz hasn't changed much during that time, and I'm not sure that's a good thing either. He has obviously changed on a neurological level after his near death at the end of season one, but on an emotional or even maturity level, he seems very much the same. Every time I see him get upset at any insinuation that Sky might be dangerous, I can't help but compare that to the way Fitz reacted when Ward was revealed to be Hydra. Obviously, the two situations are very different, as Sky is worthy of his trust while Ward was not. But Sky could end up being every bit as dangerous to the team as Ward was until she gets her powers under control. Fitz is intensely loyal and is a true friend, which are wonderful qualities to have, but he also has a history of letting these qualities and others in dangerous put him in dangerous positions. He stubbornly remained in denial over Ward's true intentions until Ward dropped him into the ocean, and Fitz pro- probably provoked Garrett more than he would have had he not believed that Ward would ultimately back him up. Garrett might have just kept Fitz and Simmons hostage rather than giving Ward the order to cross them off if Fitz hadn't broken out the EMP and then taunted and incapacitated Garrett. Simmons, by contrast, has always been more pragmatic and rational than Fitz, more ready to accept the hard truths of what the evidence is showing her. So while I do think she's been shaken and even hardened by the changes she's seen in the people around her, I still trust her judgment more than I do Fitz's. We as an audience have good reason to trust that the writers plan on Sky gaining greater control over her powers, but the characters on the show obviously don't have the benefit of that perspective. Fitz's instinct to protect Sky is good and honorable, 
But I don't think we should begrudge Simmons for preparing for the worst while Fitz sticks to hoping for the best. And maybe that's the counterpoint to Fitz's moral high ground. Someone has to be the head to his heart. Thanks for all your hard work on the show, Agent Diana. I really like that message. It was well thought through, well argued. Well written. Um, and it just uh, – and the other thing that's kind of cool is um, you know, we specifically asked for, you know, what is, what is it that we're missing here that – because we were on Fitz's side, right? Am I speaking for you wrong yeah, here? I, yeah, I think we're very pro-Fitz. We were very much on Fitz's side last episode and this really gives that counterpoint that I was looking for. Like what am I missing here? So thank you, Agent Diana. Uh, would you like to read the message from uh, Agent Roxas? I am on Agent Roxas' message. Subject, love in the time of Hydra. Greetings, agents. This week's title is brilliant. The juxtaposition of love existing within a Hydra invokes the idea of an extremely twisted, darkly beautiful, obsessive kind of emotion. On that note, I would have to admit that this episode made me slightly nauseous and gave me the worst goosebumps during the scene between Fake Sky and Ward. Originally, I had thought that Ward was going to be the one that would manipulate Agent 33 into some kind of sick, obsessive Sky fantasy, and I was pleasantly surprised and horrified that it was Agent three who started, 33 who started it. Next, the amount of parallels in this episode were insane. Hulk versus Captain America, Fitzsimmons versus Coulson May, 33 versus Ward, Real Shield versus Shield, Bobby versus Mac, Agent 33 slash Ward versus Bashiki, Bashki Whitehall, Agent 33 slash Ward slash Garrett versus Sky slash Coulson slash Coulson's <laughs> father, Sky versus Lola, and etc. It was enjoyable how the writers used the parallels to highlight moral ambiguity. <sighs> Big words are hard. <laughs> Ambiguities. I can't even say it now because I'm too busy laughing. (laughs) Growth within relationships in certain types of non-familia lineage. One particular scene of note was the visual of Sky and Coulson sharing the Twizzlers or Red Vines and their (laughs) moments being perfectly in sync, which spoke volumes of the relationships. That is one of my favorite aspects of this show. It is unafraid to strictly use visuals to tell the story. It should be prudent to note that when Sky said, I just don't think you'd lock me up like a werewolf in full moon, there was possibly a vague reference to Joss Whedon's freshman series Buffy and the character of Oz. Now for my last item. It was mentioned that Marvel finally confirmed that Whedon would not be returning to Avengers Infinity Wars and that the Russo brothers would instead be be directing. I was actually surprised that Agent Avery was at least seemed surprised about the news because there had been rumors floating about this for a while. And Kevin Feige has directly asked was directly asked about the Russo brothers and Joss Whedon during Marvel Phase 3 assembly when they introduced Black Panther. Also, in other Whedon trivia, Whedon actually wasn't planning on coming back for Avengers Age of Ultron, but when the opportunity arose, he still had a lot of things to say. I only personally read the first block, uh, and there's a, a link. Um, ben, you might want to put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I only personally read the first block quotation from Whedon because it was on an onset interview, and I didn't want to be spoiled. So, hey, if you read that, if we put it up, there's spoilers. P.S. Addendum from Agent Roxas. Are you ready for this, Ben? I'm this ready. This is information you want. Agent Husband. Just reported in with intelligence. 
Even though Agent Husband has a history with the Navy, Hospital Corpsman 3rd Class affiliated with Marine Unit, thank you for your service, sir, he has never been deployed to sea. Instead, he located an asset, Signalman 1st Class, for details on how a ship would feel. This is the intelligence sent to me. He said for the most part on an LHA, landing helicopter assault ship, and a carrier, aircraft carrier, you won't feel it. He said that there were times he fell asleep when they were at port and woken up to them being at sea and not even known it was they were out until he looked outside. He said you would feel it when there was a major storm, but it has to be a serious storm. He said destroyers and cruisers are a different story, but with an LHA or a carrier, you plow right through most swells and not feel a thing. Also, an LHA is about 20 feet smaller than an aircraft carrier, according to his source. So, Ben. There's our answer. Hunter may not have may not have felt it. Man, this is two back-to-back brilliantly written emails, too. I know. I know. All right. Man. Agent Gray sent in a message. Subject, Bobby. <gasps> message. Bobby is a lying liar who lies lies. Oh. And Hunter's going to surprise you all and be a really good guy, which yeah. I've been predicting since about episode three and i'll write more later when i'm not in the middle of your podcast agent gray (laughs) hey could you give her advice on what to do when you're right (laughs) because you seem to gloat on it when you're right i tend to be right yeah when i'm not wrong i'm right dude whatever when i'm not wrong i'm right well that's true yeah Hey, we got a message from Agent Carl. You want to read that one? Sure. I just need to get back on target here. Oh, man. Oh, man. There's there's some directed at me in this one from Agent Carl. <clears throat> Subject, back from temporary duty. Wild ride getting my Wyoming Cowboys to the big dance. Vegas, Seattle, and 7,300 7, miles in the car. But I'm back and caught up on all things Marvel. Wow, that's a lot of flight time. I'm just going to say that now, Agent Carl. Great episodes, both on the show and podcast. Surprised at how fast we seem to be going towards Inhumans and Civil War, especially since they are still about 17 years in the future, or it seems that way. A couple comments from the last show. Lola. She's in 1962. She was a heap when Colonel, since Phil is the son of... Oh, when Cole... (laughs) since Phil is the son of Cole, (laughs) brought her home and started working on her. Figure it took her her at least five to seven years to become a heap after rolling off the showroom floor at the earliest. Figure Colson probably worked on her with his dad for a few years. Does that put Colson between 45 and 50? And if Phil is the only one to work on her, how cool is it that he figured out how to make her fly? All right, so I'm going to pause off and on throughout here. Ben, I do think he's between 45 and 50. Yeah, I mean, that's what he looks like. Yeah, so I I think it all works out there. Okay, going back. The Major. Where is Ward getting his intel from, and how lucky were they when they broke into Talbot's office? And where was the security at the main gate of the base? The first person Agent 33 sees after getting by the front desk is the Major. And Agent 33 just happens to have a Major's uniform on, the same style that the Major was wearing that day. 
None of the other officers were majors, and several were wearing different styles of uniform. Were Ward and Agent 33 just incredibly lucky, or do they have the best source inside Talbot's office? Again, me pausing, I believe that they've probably been watching the taco place. I think it's intel on their part. Yeah. I think uh, they, it's all about they got the binoculars. Ward is right good at what he does. Yeah, but what he does isn't very nice. No. And includes pork taquitos. Okay, going back. Agent Morris. Oh, man. Daniel, I'm really trying to get behind your quadruple agent theory. I'm thinking more along the lines that her and Mac were struggling after the initial breakup of S.H.I.E.L.D. and latched onto the first legitimate offer they had. Or maybe they made that offer. I'm guessing that they joined real S.H.I.E.L.D. because they just didn't know if anyone else they could trust was left. Or they formed it themselves. But when they were assigned <laughs> to infiltrate Colson S.H.I.E.L.D., I think Agent Morris started to see the light. I certainly hope so. And when Hunter showed his loyalty to Coulson, she was really starting to look at looking at her at his truth. She trusts Hunter completely, so I think she will be coming over to the good side. She tells Real Shield that she's going after Coulson so that she can tell him the truth before he's and he hears it from Hunter. No, I think it will be a combination of her sky and Hunter that end up saving our team. Maybe. Lastly, the ship. If Hunter had any type of nautical understanding at all, he knew that he was on the same type of ship, probably naval vice commercial. Oh, so he, oh, so Agent Carl says he didn't know that he was on some type of ship, probably naval vice commercial. When Mac first introduced him to the real shield, I knew they were on a ship. The first tell was the large bullseye on the bulkhead, a colored rectangle painted in each compartment that describes its location on the ship. Hmm. In this case, 01711, meaning that this is one level above the main deck, the 01 deck. The forward bulkhead is 77 frames after the bow. After the bow, bow normal frames are spaced about a foot apart. And the one denotes that it is the first compartment on the starboard side of the center line of the ship. Hmm. Also, if you looked at the overhead of the passageway, all the wiring and piping were exposed and color-coded. He should have been able to notice that the deck that he was standing on was made out of metal, noticeable even if covered in tile or carpet. He should have noticed that the bulkheads and overhead were metal as well. He should have been able to smell the fuel used on the flight deck. It permeates all areas of the ship. And as Ben rightly points out, then he should have been able to sense some movement. Unless the seas were glassy calm and the ship didn't change course at all during a stay. Or maybe he did a few years in the Coast Guard on a real ship that had such incredible sea legs that he couldn't feel the slight movement of the floating city. I'm also thinking that since he would have had to fly out to the ship, he would have noticed the landing or at least been able to hear the noise of flight operations once on the flight deck. I think he was knocked out, though. Never a quiet place, even on the non-aircraft carriers. If that wasn't enough, he should have heard the general announcements made to the crew during the course of the day, and you can hear one all-hands address when he first meets the leaders of the real shield in the conference room. No, he had to know he was on a ship, which is confirmed when he was able to launch and sail single-handedly one of the submersible pods. Okay. You feeling good? I'm feeling good, but I'm also feeling bad because this is kind of implying that not only would he have known, but I was Just, I thought he didn't know and this is kind of making me think. I'm just saying, man, I've read three emails. I've been on three emails now. These emails are fantastic. They are. 
He continues, I think Hunter's confusion comes from other sources. As we saw earlier, he was on the zero one deck, one deck above the main deck. On a carrier, the main deck is usually the hangar deck, and there are a few decks between that deck and the flight deck. The doorway he goes through is also marked with a Z for material condition zebra, since it is it opened to the exterior overlooking the flight deck. It should have re- been a red Z within a black D, dog zebra, for setting darkened ship at night. He also ran from a compartment at frame 77 to a f- door that was at frame 99, so he should have been going aft. So when he opened the door and saw that it lit outside, it was on the deck, several decks above the flight deck. He was facing forward, and there were several hundred feet forward of where he was. Didn't make sense. So even though he knew he was on a ship, he did not know that he was on a ship that didn't follow any standard convention for compartment <laughs> identification. Thus, the surprised look. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. Play it. Play it. Okay. The new prize winner of the day. This now, Daniel. This is retroactive for everything tonight. It's not coming to the mail to any of you. Because these emails are fantastic, but this right here, this is a this is a Stan Lee. Yeah, this classic. is legit no prize yeah. stuff right yeah, here. Yeah, that's a legit no prize right there. That is that is he's the he, stuff Marvel used to get <laughs> that led to the postcard. He's surprised because because I mean, here's what it does: it explains the surprise, but then it also takes and explains away the mistakes that were done in filming here, having him come out where he came out when he shouldn't have come out because of all these different information. But then to say, well, it's a mistake, but it's not really a mistake. Yeah. It's a mistake because television, but (laughs) yeah, but yeah, this is nice. Agent Carl who keeps it Marvel. He has found a way to make the mistakes even make sense. (laughs) All right. So back to Agent Gray. We got a message. Subject, thoughts on the back half of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so far. And so Agent Gay, Agent Gray, actually she wrote in a, a, another one after this. But uh, she says, hi guys. Sorry I've been quiet the last few weeks. I've been wrapping my head around what they're doing in the back half of the season and trying to figure out how I feel about it. And I have a couple of observations I'd like to run by you and see what you think. Number one, I know I gripe because Agent Carter was too slow, but now that we've come back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the pace, which was exhilarating in the first half of the season, suddenly just seems frantic. It feels like they are trying to do so much so fast that it's cheapening the storylines and they don't carry the emotional weight or credibility that they otherwise could. For example, I know I'm not the only one who has felt like Simmons' sudden transformation to anti-alien everything felt completely unearned and foreign to her character. And I've heard the actress's explanation for her character's motivation, and I get that grief and guilt make people think and do crazy things, but the show rushed over the change so fast that it feels like it was manufactured just for the sake of amping up drama and division on the team. As if there weren't already enough drama and division on the team. I feel like character development and thus emotional impact are really suffering with this frantic pace as we're trying to follow Sky, Cal, Ward... Agent 33, the Inhumans, Hydra, Talbot, and Bobby, and Mac, and Pointy Shield. (laughs) Number two, I feel like some of the sources of drama that have arisen since the show came back really feel unnecessary and contrived to me. First, of course, is Simmons' reaction to everything. Also, how many times exactly could we have Vintak refer to Inhumans as abominations right in front of Sky's face? Also, frankly, I find the level of destruction of relationships to be unrealistic. Fitz and Simmons, Simmons and Sky, Sky being combative toward everyone, May and Coulson being at odds over Sky. Like they are just tearing people apart for the sake of tearing people apart and creating drama. It feels contrived, and maybe that's because they haven't put enough time in developing these fissures for me to really believe them. But either way, 
all of it sucks for a show whose strongest point was, for me, the wonderful team dynamic and the strong relationships amongst the characters. Number three. Related to that, it uh, does it seem like the show really isn't any fun anymore? I feel like we're back where we were in the first two episodes of season two, where we've descended, descended past dark into straight-up depressing. Where are the campy humor and, and the moments of fun that have always been laced through the show and through the MCU in general? I know they've tried for some comic relief with Cal and his crazy band and with Talbot this last week, but it just didn't do it for me. Maybe I'm crazy and people are just loving this, but I'm not. These last few episodes have ended with me feeling frustrated, wondering what's going to happen with everything, not feeling like I just had an hour of enjoying myself. Okay, here's a kind of final thought, and I want to know what you think. I know a lot of people were not thrilled with the show when it first launched, and it wasn't what they were expecting, etc., but it feels like the tone has completely shifted at this point to the extent that the things that I really enjoyed about the show in the beginning, characters, the campiness, the relationships, aren't even there anymore. This whole season seems to be about negating and tearing down every good thing that got built in the first season. And maybe that's purposeful to attract new audience members, and maybe lots of new people are finding it and loving it, but I'm talking to many fans of the first season who honestly just don't like even watching it anymore. It feels like they're alienating a sizable chunk of their original really committed audience, and that to me is a shame. I've actually hit a point where I've stopped recommending the show to people who I think would love the first season because I just don't want them to because I don't want to just sign them up for a sucker punch, and I don't know where they are going with all this. Just being honest, it grieves me to say it. Now, the MCU has proven me wrong in the past, and agents of showrunners have proved me wrong in the past, and I'm hoping they'll prove me wrong again. We'll see. The one high point right now is that it looks like Hunter's shaping up to become to come into his own as a character. Make fun of him all you like. He's my favorite new character of the season, and I was so proud of him in episode 14, Agent Grey. And another email. Contract. And another email. Subject PS from Agent Gray. PS, if you want to talk me down off my ledge, I'm good with that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our, our final email for the evening. Daniel, what you think? Um, I mean, there's a this is a pretty visceral reaction to what's going on with things, and you know, she's she's comparing to how she felt before to how she's feeling now. Well, here's a comparison point. She now I haven't watched it yet, but tonight we had the Flash episode with the Trickster. Okay, okay, Mark Hamill, Trickster. Mm-hmm. It's a throwback to the original series. Yeah, the original Flash series where he played the Trickster as well. Uh, and it's an actor that, being geeks, we all want to see on TV. And you know, with it being the Trickster, the episode is likely going to be kind of fun, right? Mm-hmm. And the two episodes before that were really kind of heavy. You don't, you haven't seen them yet, but they were. They were kind of heavy. One of them led to one of my children leaving in tears. Okay? Hmm. So, so again, two heavy, heavy episodes in a row. And then we're going to get the trickster, which I'm assuming is going to be fun. It has been a long time since we've had just fun. And, and I know that Joss isn't there on the day-to-day, but... With some of those other shows he's done, I, I've heard him do some stuff like on Buffy where he'd mix things up a little bit. You know, trick episodes, fun episodes, not just heavy, heavy, dark episodes, which I have the understanding that Buffy at times was dark. Um, So I can see the point. You know, we kind of need 
when you, you're not going to like me. You'll like me, and I won't believe I'm about to say this, but I'll say it. Are you making uh, a Star Trek reference? No, I'm oh. going to say this. If we kind of need a Great Lakes Avengers episode. I see what you're saying, though. You're, you're not specifically calling for the Great Lakes Avengers. You're calling for mm. a humorous episode. You're calling yeah, for we need a- something that's just off. Yeah, you know, today, today I was just thinking, because of all the stuff that they've been doing in this half of the season, you don't get a lot of opportunity to do just the mission episodes. No, there's no you know where they're out freak, to, uh, just, uh, monster of the week. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but, been, so I see the point. Now I'm loving what we're getting, but I absolutely do see the point. And I am seeing a lot of reaction, especially to this episode. Someone on Twitter that I just noticed um, said this is their new favorite episode. Um, someone else on Facebook, I think it was Agent Snook, who said something about that if people had gave gave up on the show they're missing out in these episodes right now um but i do see what you're saying agent gray uh about the the relationships and the broken relationships and just those were things we enjoyed we enjoyed watching fitzsimmons be fitzsimmons and they're not going to go back to that well i i think them holding hands we felt a little bit of relief but then she walked away and walked well, away to go and Simmons. Simmons gave her eye contact that said, "Go do it." Go to, he did. He did give her eye contact. I didn't see him do that. I yeah, I saw him reacting as if to say, "Oh, I might be losing her again." No, you got to remember what she what Weaver wanted was for her to her to go check out Mac, who saved his life. That's true. Yeah. So I mean, he was giving consent. Yes, go 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 take care of him. I'm just watching, and, and there is a lot of, and this is part of serialized television, uh, there's a lot of what next. Those are a lot of the questions you're asking is what next, what next, what's happening next, what's happening next. And I do think that Agent Grey is onto something where this show is kind of focusing a lot in the last few episodes on the what, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Um, but we are getting some really intense performances that are the emotional responses to what's happening and what's going to happen. And I'm hoping that with Coulson and Hunter, we're going to get back to some of, you know, Coulson being more Coulson, you know, and well, playing well, we off know each that- other, you know, getting some of the one-liners and the zingers with each other and and that kind of thing. And, I, and I Coulson, anyway. I, I think, you know, the trailer for next week, Coulson's got to get the band back together. Mm-hmm. And it's not everybody who lives at the playground he's trying to get to. He's getting the band, the bus crew, back together. Yeah. Could we be looking at a situation where Gonzalez's shield takes control and Coulson and his team are on the run again from shield? We'd have to ask Agent Caney about that. It'd be it could be interesting. It could be it could be interesting. And how would it actually how would Caning throw things in into a loop, you know, uh, ruin the plans of quote unquote real shield, real shield, phony shield, you know, because let's be honest, Keating's got the keys to everything. He does. You know? He does. Just he's not around. Yeah. Yeah. So Keating, come home. Come home. <laughs> come home. One of you. One of you. 
any of you. All right, Daniel, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. What do you say? You know, I think it does. I am a little concerned. Agent Evan didn't report in. Has he been captured? Or is he perhaps preparing for the Tomorrowland episode of our new show, Agents of Disney? (laughs) I doubt it. Yeah, probably because we haven't planned that. Yeah. Anything from you, Ben? No, I think I'm just going to go and finish putting together this podcast, which takes a little bit of work on my end. I need to get to bed, but might also get in, I don't know, a few rounds of some sort of computer game. I don't know. It doesn't excite me anymore because you know what, Daniel? It's a lonely game. That solitaire. Thank you for listening to Welcome to Level 7. We'd love for you to join the conversation. You can leave us a voicemail at one seventy seven fifty five the word level, and then the number 7. That's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level 7. 7 is spelled out. Follow us on Twitter where we are level7pod. 7 is spelled out. Or email us directly, feedback at welcome to level 7com seven is spelled out visit our website welcome to level seven.com for news reviews and links to our rss feeds our theme music is the light fantastic by js earls js earls.bandcamp.com and again thanks for listening welcome to level seven is a proud member of noodle mix network for more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx you can also go to noodle.mx slash podcast awards to vote for the podcasts that are in the podcast awards and thanks for listening so ben yeah did you see the latest installment of the marvel cinematic universe i believe so are you talking about tonight's episode no well yeah that would be technically be the latest but i mean in the theaters i believe so i have it on blu-ray right now. no you don't. it's not out yet I it's still in the theaters. I'm going to officially just state that I am confused now. Well, Cinderella. <laughs> okay. It is Disney, I guess. Well, it's the story of how Agent Carter's daughter was able to um be kind uh-huh. and be strong. Uh-huh. And find the man of her dreams. Okay, so who is D- Agent despite, Carter's man? Who is the man of Agent Carter's dreams? So we can finally find. But that him. would be Cinderella's father. Right, he died. Okay, yeah. And but you know it, it was almost thwarted by Eric Selvig. You know. Oh, okay. Because he got in the way, and then you know it was directed by Kevin Br- Kenneth Branagh. So what is this like the third Thor movie? You make a strong case. You make a strong case. I was very confused, though. When did Agent Carter go blonde, other than the first episode of Agent Carter? Yeah. Well, I mean, she could wear a wig. She didn't even kill anybody. Hmm. Doesn't she usually kill somebody when she wears that? No, no. That's what the pictures thought. That's what the SSR thought. But she doesn't really kill people when she's in the I am so glad you brought this up for the post-credits and not (laughs) earlier in this episode. I just so much to think about. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Good night, Daniel. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince.